0: Hello, Richard. Hello, Oliver. I am uh, just wondering about—we uh, were going to talk about work today, and uh, and the and the horrors of it. was basically, just not working at all would be the, the nicest way to live one's life, I suppose. But um, I remember in one of our earlier podcasts. Um, you told very entertaining stories about your uh, time working in the early morning newspaper shift at uh, at Sparings.
1: Sparings, yeah, shop thirty-eight. <sighs> Shop 38? What does that mean? Uh, well, Shop 38 was the, the the sparing shop number for that shop. I don't know why I remember that. What? Well, there was yeah. only three shops there. Well, yeah, I don't know why that would be then. But I it know,
0: was, Sparings it, was a chain, but it never had 38 branches,
1: did it? I, I couldn't tell you. I've no idea. But it was like the thing <laughs> where you'd say, somebody would say, where does this have to go? And you'd say, Shop 38. I don't think I've made that Why would I make that up? That's like a really strange thing to imagine, isn't it? No, I'm sure I'm sure I'm right. Unless you
0: were thinking of band names and Shop 38 sounds like quite a good one to me.
1: Yeah. Like 23 Skidoo, Shop 38. Yes. And Blink
0: 125 or whatever they're called.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And Wa... I don't know. Is there a Wa band with a number? They're bound to be, isn't there? Well, there there was Wah Heat, wasn't there? And Shambiko say Wah. Haircut 100. Haircut 38. Yeah, in Shop Thirty Eight. Shop Thirty Eight, great band.
0: There was <laughs> there was uh, a Mister Sperring that actually owned the
1: chain, wasn't there? Bob Bob Sperring. Oh yeah, did you meet him? I don't know. I kind of have a feeling I I should have done, but I don't. I don't. I don't remember meeting him. And maybe I did, and he just had a T-shirt on with that Shop Thirty Eight written on it, and it's just somehow like seeped into my brain as that was the name of the shop for internal. <laughs> Communications or something—I don't know. But
0: I believe he's dead because otherwise we could ask him why he was wearing a T-shirt with Shop Thirty Eight on it. Yeah, but Which, he's probably dead. I mean, yeah. my, he sold the whole chain to some other chain, and I assumed that then he retired and went and lived on the on a on, on a Caribbean island for the rest of his life. But who knows what became of Bob Sperring? Maybe some listening will be able to tell us. Yeah. So that was your first job, but. I think you quite enjoyed it, didn't you? so have you had any really awful jobs? well, I know you have, but uh, tell us
1: about them well oh um i've had i mean I've had lots of strange jobs, but i mean I wouldn't even say I've had really awful job i've you know had like a couple that I really didn't enjoy um the main one which was you know i mean not that long ago I'd say ten years ago now, like working at a um a creative agency as they're Ooh, called that nice. was that was um that was the least enjoyable uh mainly because uh, you know uh, how can i say this nicely creative agencies aren't actually that creative i was going
0: to say probably your creativity was probably stifled every day wasn't it
1: well yeah it's one of those things where the the most creative thing about a creative agency is literally the word creative in the Mm. name creative agency and also the fact that everybody that worked there probably had the word creative in their job title um but that's not to say there wasn't wasn't creative people there there were but you know they would be the people who you know sort of like me i guess on the shop floor the actual people who are using Macs and designing things or i was there as a copywriter so i was writing but you know there's that um They're kind of pretty infamous, I think, creative agencies for having this kind of tier of middle management, for want of a better phrase, who are all, you know, predominantly 99.9% white guys who all went to minor public schools, all like Mm. rugby Mm. and all still secretly, you know, worship Lance Armstrong and didn't think he did anything wrong. And they're all... (laughs) They're all, you know, so basically you'd spend all day like every day kind of being bullied by, you know, some big guy wearing probably a Formula One branded polo shirt. And, you know, it was just, it just wasn't, wasn't very, wasn't very nice. I mean, and, I've you know, you've got all that, the word salad stuff that goes with places like that as well. Oh yes,
0: give us some examples.
1: I mean, there's, there's so many and you could, you know, if you, I guess if you Googled creative agency business but you know it's all things like yeah you know using phrases like marketing collateral rather than saying posters and flyers yeah and um i mean i mean the good one i mean it was using the word creative as a noun as well
0: oh disgusting yeah Yeah, so uh, a creative
1: let's get some creative together oh i know and oh i feel ill and also you know places like that they have their big clients and you're not allowed to uh you're not allowed to diss the big clients. You basically, exactly, you know, the whole idea is, you know, we're creative, we're fun, you know, we break the rules, but it, you know, there's there's more rules than anywhere else I I ever worked. So I mean, the the major client where I was was IBM. Oh yes, and, that must have been exciting. Yeah, and IBM for the majority of the staff there, or yeah, again, this middle upper management. Um, it was like IBM had cured cancer or something, rather than the fact that they, you know, made boxes with wires in. And we used to have these meetings every morning where, um, you, you know, the, the business of the day would be discussed. And... At the end of it, they would go around the room saying, "Everybody understand? Elisa, do you understand? Yes. You know, so and so, do you understand? Yes." And he goes, "Rich, would you understand?" And I used to go, "Is it something about computers?" <laughs> and I, you know, I did it like a couple of times, thinking, "Come on, it's worth a laugh." It's like quarter to nine in the morning, and I, you know, nobody would, you know, you weren't allowed to joke about it. IBM were were, were gods, you know, and
0: I could imagine. yes. it's, it's uh, oh so dear.
1: it's so strange, you know, and. You know, the one time I knew I had to get out was when uh, IBM uh, released some software thing, some business software package, which was designed to be used um, at airports. And I had to rewrite their copy before it went into a sales manual that people could then take out to airports and say, look. And one one of the things that they used on everything was examples as to why... Your business operation would have been better if you'd had this software, and and they picked three examples of things that had happened at airports and where this software would have helped. Um, one of them was some big baggage strike at Boston or something. I don't know what the middle one was, but the other one was um the 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 Concorde crashing in Paris in two thousand. Um, and there was this whole thing about how this software would have helped. And I had to rewrite this thing. And I went into a meeting and I was there and I was saying, um, I I said, I I think we should probably sort of like rephrase this stuff and say, apart from the horrific loss of life, these (laughs) other things, you know, and it was like nobody there had even considered that at all. You know, it was that, you know, the fact that people died just completely... Unimportant But I had my um, Well I wouldn't say it was revenge But I sort of had my revenge on them Because another contract that they got Was this um company called MoneyGram and... Oh I've been
0: in dispute with them In fact I've just I'll tell you in a minute I've just been fired from MoneyGram I'm not allowed to use you, it Oh really <laughs> Yeah You, you tell, tell me about it And then I'll tell you what's happened to me
1: Oh right Well okay Well MoneyGram Um They had this big push, as I say, this is a decade ago, um, to uh, entice uh, Polish and other workers specifically from former Soviet bloc countries who are now working in the UK to use MoneyGram to send their money back home, whether that be to, you know, Poland or, you know, wherever. Mm. And um, somebody high up the chain so somebody higher up the chain came up with the idea that the artwork for this poster campaign and everything else should be based on, I think the phrase is constructivist artwork, which is that real Soviet era, like 1930s artwork, which is all yes. you know, black and red and has fists going in the air. The sort of thing that you'd imagine like Workers of the World Unite written above it. And and I was kind of in a meeting saying, does does anybody else think that you know using Soviet propaganda style artwork <laughs> on a group of people who have recently been living under a Soviet <laughs> state is a good idea? But but nobody nobody at the creative agency had any concept that there was like a bigger world out there, and this this came. From a bigger world I mean it just didn't exist You know you've got all these people involved in art Who have no idea about art at all Or mm, the power mm, of art mm. And the other thing that they did with that To go along with this They they wanted to use simple Snappy slogans That would befit that artwork And um, I think the first one That they came up with is The power is in your hands And it all had to be Things like that and I, you know, I'd, I so I worked on this campaign, and I and I wrote some stuff that ended up getting translated into a Polish radio ad and everything. And then one day on my day off, I, I suddenly got this panic phone call from the office, and that they wanted like five or six new uh, taglines to go with the artwork, like this, you know, the power is in your hands. And I was sort of thinking, oh God, what am I? What am I going to do? What am I going to use? Like, it's so like naff having to think this stuff up. And then I realized I didn't have to think it up because what they wanted, and as I say, nobody had a, an idea of the bigger world out there. So nobody would get this reference and I could easily get away with it. I just used redskin song titles. <laughs> so like I, I pulled out my copy of n- neither Washington or Moscow, but International Socialism. And send them things like, it can be done again, kick over the statues, <laughs> the power is yours. And they they used, they used them. them. <laughs> they used them. They used them. So so MoneyGram ended up using Redskins subtitles um, as one of their big advertising campaigns. That and is it's, a fine story, Richard. It is good, isn't it? It's not yeah. bad. It's not bad. And like I said, you could get away with it because you could, um, the people, the higher up people there, yeah again, as I said, they're all these kind of like ex public school extroverts who just like to strut around and um make other people's lives not too pleasant.
0: I wonder if there's ever a sitcom being made about uh, there has there must have been a sitcom made about an advertising of creative agency mustn't there well
1: the the closest most brilliant version is in oh uh, what was it what was it called twenty twenty 20- 2012, 2012, you know, the what, woman that worked for the E-O-E- marketing E-O-E- agency. What's her
0: name? She I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah,
1: all that, all that word salad that she used to come out with, that is absolutely directly straight out of the, the, the copy book of, of places like that. And and in, and in a way, the craziest thing about the whole thing is that me on my own, what I do now, I'm kind of like a creative in you know agency i do all the things that a creative agency do but luckily i you know i don't have some crazed extrovert screaming at me while wearing a rugby shirt all day so you know it's 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 much better to be out of it than in it
0: i mean i'm willing to put on a rugby shirt and come down and scream at you richard if you're feeling nostalgic
1: <laughs> no i'm not i'm not nostalgic for 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 that time at all. There were some lovely people that I used to work with there. But, you know, the the culture leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Was that
0: during the period when you were commuting by train to Basingstoke?
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh, yes.
0: Well, I've never known you to be less happy than in that period. I know you had days when you came home and you were just at your wits end from the awfulness of it.
1: Yeah, and it was it was good in some ways. It really, like, it, it did tighten up my writing because I was there as a copywriter rather than a designer. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it, I, I, you know, I would go back and work in an agency again, but I, you know, I wouldn't do it just, I wouldn't just go back and work in any old creative. And, you know, if you if you look at, Creative agency websites, um, even the names of the places and I was looking the other day, oddly enough, and like swearing seems to be a new thing. Using mm. the word like like we don't deal in bullshit and stuff, that seems to be the right. kind of like the, the the thing they're tapping into. It's like it's almost kind of like if if you were a historian from the future and you landed today, if you wanted to know what what the world was like, or what the u k was like five years ago, then look at what a creative agency website is doing now because it 's basically what was happening five years ago it 's that it 's that uninspiring yeah,
0: inevitably, in ten years time or twenty years time, people will look back and kill themselves laughing at what was cool now, just like we do, looking back to old TV adverts from the 70s or whatever, and so how could that possibly have been considered?
1: Good. But it's yeah, just ex- exactly I mean it's the thing and that's but that's the thing. It's the thing of the idea that, you know, um the the kind of the way that these these companies put out this idea that they're on like the cutting edge. Whereas it's it's what was happening years ago. And they've only just caught up, they've only just had for want of a better word phrase, the balls to kind of like jump on board. You know, there's nobody that's actually, I, I doubt really kind of like leading the line. I mean, I'm being really damning to creative agencies. I don't really mean <laughs> to be. There's obviously like, there's some absolutely like cracking ones and people doing like brilliant work who are really actually invested in the art of it. And I don't even think the marketing is a, is a bad thing per se, you know, it depends what you're marketing, doesn't it? But it, I just, you know, that the, it wasn't a good experience for me. Let, no, let, let's let's put it in that way.
0: But in a way, you now own your own creative agency, uh, and 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 you've got the the freedom of being self-employed.
1: Yeah, definitely. And a, a, you know, which, as you know, is you know, come has got pitfalls and upsides. Yes, but it, it's it's um, yeah. If it, if I can if I can survive doing stuff like I do it, and I can get work in. You know, the way I tend to think is actually like, if I can get work in and not use that word salad. Yes. Then all the better. And if there's like a, if there's a client that wanted to employ somebody like me, and they're the sort of person that does use that kind of word salad and thought process, Mm -hmm. then I I would probably rather not have the job. I'd rather (laughs) not have to like, you know, deal with, deal with that you know that's for me that now seems to be like something that's like happening in another in another place um
0: exactly yeah. uh, and and I, I tend to think and although you just said that you might you know consider working in an agency i think you're probably like me that you you're unemployable really uh outside of your um current existence because it would be very very difficult to have that shouting rugby shirt wearing guy leering at you wouldn't it now
1: yeah and it's because that kind of behavior is also completely uncalled for you Mm. know it it, it really really is and if if the pandemic has done one thing then it's screwed with those people and that's a good thing because they've you know like i said they're all just crazed extroverts and they don't have their stage to parade on anymore because they're all (laughs) stuck at home Sorry I sound really bitter and biting. No about no this, no no but, this is what you know, this is
0: what we like. I, I I I wish you to be as bitter as possible.
1: <laughs> well, um, it's it that thing you know the, it, it's a, it's a you know those places are the 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 classic example of places run by outgoing people who have the the confidence of ignorance. Nice.
0: I, I I'll I'll note that down. The confidence of ignorance There's a lot of it about at the moment But I am not going to talk about Brexit Or anything like that I'm paraphrasing
1: it's... Aldous Huxley there I must give oh, up oh. <laughs> I think it was the, the confidence <laughs> was it? The confidence of arrogance No, the confidence of ignorance I think he said Was the worst kind of confidence and it's, And it's so true It's that, you know
0: well, uh, if there's time in a minute I'll talk about how I came to be self-employed Unexpectedly a few years ago um,
1: But what happened with but, MoneyGram?
0: Oh, MoneyGram <laughs> it, There's a There's a guy that I know Who owns a, a holiday property in, And uh, We are optimistically Trying to book A holiday for Next year Yeah. Um, to celebrate a massive wedding anniversary and uh, I know this guy I've co- corresponded with him for a very long time mm. uh, he's American um, but at the moment he's uh, he's a bit unwell and so he's staying with his family in Michigan I mean that's all by the by really yeah. uh, but the time came for me to put the deposit down on this uh, uh, house that we're going to rent from him and he requested that I should do it by money gram i didn't even know what that was really but i went online and i filled in all the stuff and put all my you know card details and everything in and i said uh i'll transfer this thank you very much uh and then uh it said yes it's all gone through and then five minutes later i got a an email saying uh, your uh, payment has been refused right so I wondered at that stage, it didn't say any, anything about why or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it said, the only way you could, can do it is to go to your local MoneyGram agent physically. Right. Yeah. So I asked around and there's, there is one in the post office in Otterbourne just down the road here. Hmm. So I went down there and I had a talk with the lady and it's all fine. And I gave her all my cards and blah, 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 and. She said, um, just as she was about to press the button to send, she said, um, it's all right. Is it they're adding um, a a fee uh, of uh, £42? To which I said, no, that's not all right. Because what they quoted me on their online service was uh, £3.99. Right. So... She said, oh, well, I'll just check anyway. She, I won't drag it out too long. But she checked and checked and, no, this was the only uh, way to do it. So I came home and I tried again on, on online. She yeah. said, just do it online. That should work. And the guy that I'm sending it to said, well, all my customers just do it online. There's no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Try it again. What I thought was that one of the questions on the uh, on the original attempt was, do, have you ever met the person that you are sending this to? <laughs> to which the answer is, no, I've never met him, yeah. but I do know him and know exactly who he is. And I've talked to him and i with him for a very long time because we've been trying to book this for ages. And, uh, you know, I'm one of these people who's ultra paranoid about scams. So if it was a scam, I wouldn't be within a million miles of it. I, I, I got into touch with him through a reputable booking.com style site, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I tried again. And this time I thought, well, if that's what's holding me up, I'll click the thing that says, yes, I have met him, because however they know. Yeah. Uh, so I was quite confident then. But five minutes later, it said, um, your your payment has been declined. Mm. Uh, you can only send this. So Groundhog Day, back I go to the thing and say, can you just really check? And so they, it was a different person this time and they checked again and they came to the conclusion that I couldn't send it without spending 42 pounds. Meantime, uh, I was starting to get in these really frightening emails from Moneygram sort of you know, more or less accusing me of being a money, money launderer, which, um, you know, I can see they, they need their mechanisms in place, but yeah. what they've done oddly enough is they've deleted what's the word when when you get banned from something online um blocked block well blocked but worse than blocked there's another word which i can't think of right now but um uh, you know quite a frightening word almost sort of suggesting criminal activity
1: you were cancelled by
0: (laughs) (laughs) cancel culture (laughs) right if you if you hear some rustling noises it's me looking at my phone to find what they've said because i i read this thing yesterday and i thought this is really Mm.
1: scary um I thought you were going to say one of the one of the questions Money Graham asked were, well, "Were do you own a copy of neither Washington nor Moscow, but International Socialism by the Redskins? <laughs> if <laughs> so, yes. have you, you ever proceed.
0: knowingly listened to a Redskins track? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't find it anyway. I have to tell you, it was a very frightening email. So, uh, so I've given up with Moneygram. And uh, even if if you, Richard, were to be a bit down in your luck and you were to want to borrow some money from me. I would not be allowed to send it to you by MoneyGram.
1: Blimey. that's Yes. I wonder wonder what's going on there. Well,
0: I thought, this is strange. Surely they should block the person I'm trying to send it to. Yeah. They wouldn't want to block somebody from actually sending the money, would they? Because I'm obviously not scamming someone if I'm sending money to someone. But uh, anyway, I don't intend to use MoneyGram ever again, even though you made up those wonderful slogans for them. Mm -hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
0: I've just used a NatWest bank and done a normal bank transfer and pay whatever they pay, which is about eight quid. So that's I've, I've solved the problem.
1: I also like sorry, just to jump yeah. back because when we were talking about good jobs, and I know I've like, you know, there's a whole episode about the Observer and a whole episode about the Tower Arts Centre. I'm not suggesting we do a whole episode about this, but the the other one that ranks up there with those two, but obviously it's like a really short period of time. Is is um. Going on tour with Pete, Catherine, and Davy when we were doing the Monster and Mary Shelley show. Yes, so tell that, us
0: about it. That was a good job, wasn't it?
1: <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, doing. Weirdly enough, it's a creative job <laughs> it's, and there's no creative agency involved. Unless no, you count me. A very little creative. bullshit,
0: I would imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very little. Um, you did mention it
0: because you were telling us when you were in the lake, was it Coniston or Windermere or somewhere?
1: Oh, yeah, that the place that's, um, uh, yeah, near Coniston Water. Yeah, because we were talking about the, the geezer that killed himself in the boat, weren't we? Campbell. Yes, Donald Campbell. Campbell, Donald Campbell, yeah.
0: Mm, Bluebird.
1: Yeah, well, that was the last... Um, yeah no I mean it's a it's a kind of long story but uh, yeah so um Pete and Catherine have got this theater company the occasion and they were they wanted to do a show that commemorated the what would it have been, 200th anniversary of the publishing of Frankenstein yes and um so yeah uh, it ended up being like a you know, one woman show Catherine playing Mary Shelley um and all these other things happening kind of around it and her telling the story of writing it. And also with the take on it, of how, uh, her being a woman, she was, it was doubted that she could have written it, you know, everybody thought that Shelley wrote it in the same way that people think Kurt Cobain wrote, live through this, the whole album, you know, and Mm. not Courtney. Um, uh, yeah, but that was that was an amazing thing because it was a that sort of devised piece. Where so we all, I mean, the first place we ever worked on it was actually, oddly enough, upstairs at the the railway mm. when Pete and Catherine were still living in Winchester. And Stuart, the writer, he came down from Glasgow, and so the four of us sat there and just yeah, thinking how do we make this show? And I th- probably about a year or so after that we had the show we did the first tour which was just in scotland and i go on tour because i'm kind of assistant technician davy's the main technician um so davy and i sit in a van and zoom off early in the morning and set up the stage um and then during the show i fire off sound cues and do other things as well and um Yeah, and and Catherine's the performer and Pete's the director. And so Pete generally comes to all the shows as well just to make sure everything looks okay and is working all right. But yeah, so we did did a Scottish tour, which was two weeks. And that was in 2018, I think. And then in 2019, we did three weeks where it was like a week and a half in Scotland and then a week and a half in England um, playing all over the place. But yeah, so I, it's one of those things that I just always, you know, that technically was a job because I, I was paid to do it. And it that, that was, that was brilliant. It was. Uh, I would really imagine good. it's
0: like uh, running off to join a circus or, you know, I've always wanted to do uh, the nearest I got to doing like a, going on a proper rock tour was uh, I think I had three nights. So I, I, I disappeared with the Delines when they came to Winchester and then I thought they were so good. I thought, well, oh, i've got to go with them so i just got in the van and went with them (laughs) yeah um but uh yeah sort of being on the road there's something quite romantic about that isn't there and and then if you're especially if it's something that you're doing that's been created from scratch and you've been part of it from the beginning
1: yeah and it was i mean it was much much more much more fun than touring with trip touring with the band i mean that was a horrifying experience really (laughs) but yeah so it's yeah it's it's like running away to the circus but there's yeah less knife throwing and it's really well oiled so in lots of ways less
0: cruelty to to wild animals
1: yeah definitely definitely
0: well we are going to finally get round to the much heralded uh trip episode which is going to be my favorite episode ever but uh it's not just yet it's going to be in a couple of weeks time
1: it is and like for anybody interested that's listening that there, there will be a special guest in the, the the shape and form hopefully of mr pete harvey um, yes, for, for that for that episode. Looking so. forward to that one because my memory is going to be of events is going to be very different to his. Oh, so. good.
0: There'll be a nice fight. That'll be great. An yeah. on an on, on, on air argument, and I'll meet. I'll be the, the referee. I'll be in between you,
1: holding you apart. Yeah, you can be like ACAS You're like the consideration.
0: <laughs> <officer>. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was uh, my first ever job uh, was uh, working in the officer of an architect in Stroud and oh dear, it it, it, it was, it was absolutely awful. But um, it, it along with another job that I had a few years later, it, it did contribute to the nearest I get to being a drug fiend because <laughs> the, it's a very, very long time ago and it hardly seems possible what I'm going to describe, but you had to have different copies of the plans that the architect had made so that there was one for, you know, each person in the chain, the building site person and the, the, the architect himself and the, the designer or whoever it was. They all had, and and, and these um, maps were like huge. They were probably about a meter square. Yeah. And they made them in this machine. I had no idea what it, what you would call it, but it was like a, a ginormous a uh, photographers studio type device. You remember I'm sure you've done this in the past when you when you get a a, a black and white photo and you're gradually developing and you you slop it around in this
1: oh, yeah, wet bowl process. of chemicals don't yeah. you yeah
0: yeah okay. well this was like a this machine was like a a, a, a cabinet with several drawers and each drawer was full of this sloppy stuff. Hmm. And you would put the, 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 the paper, which is almost like sort of thick parchmenty type paper, me, meter square into this thing. And then you would have to slop it about and you'd have to wait. And, and then, and then you'd have to take it out like a photography uh, photographer and hang it up on a washing line with clothes bags hmm. while it dripped. And, and then it gradually would reveal itself as a sort of, for some reason, everything was blue, light and dark blue. You remember when you see old um, architects designs, they're always blue. Um, but of course, basically, it meant I spent the whole day standing in a room full of chemicals and oh, inhaling of them.
1: Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I've got to say, it's a miracle I'm still alive, really, because if you think of all that poison I was inhaling for, for weeks on end in an airless room with no windows. But it it never, I I still never been high in my
1: life and it it never made me high. That's a bit like, you know, do you you know where the phrase mad as a hatter comes from? (laughs) Uh, You're going to tell me. It's, uh, hopefully I'm going to get the, it's something to do with the use, I think, of mercury in hat making.
0: Right, that was on. Only connect the other night, or was was it it on some quiz program very recently? Oh, I
1: I promise I hadn't seen it. This is just like this is just useless knowledge that I knew, and so, like, yeah, and hatters, hat making people, they used to go. A bit lally as the old folks say, um, because they were, yeah, they were they were sucking up mercury all day long. Well, while and, making and, and, a nice uh, fedora or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's hard to hard to imagine that uh, that they survived the experience. But uh, I remember when we used to use have those old mercury thermometers, and my mother was always paranoid that I might um, break it by by chewing it with my teeth. You know, you had to put mm. it on your tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she always used see. Oliver, if you do
1: that, the mercury will come out and you, you swallow it and you'll die. Oh, nice accent, Oliver. See, you could, yeah, there's there's bits of Mary Shelley you could do. I'll come out on your next tour with you, no problem. Yeah, you could be the disembodied voice of, I don't know, somebody, there's nobody Scottish in the play. Apart from, well, there's, there's a bit where she talks about um, a place called Broughty Ferry. There's a line where Catherine goes, yes, I've never Broughty even Ferry. been to Broughty Ferry. Yes. And in Scotland, that gets big laughs. Oh. <laughs> but, but like down south, nothing. Nada, zip, well, Zilch. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> It'd be like um, saying, I've I've never even heard of Milford-on-Sea. That might get a giggle if you were in Feral or something. Yes,
0: I'm, I, I guess so. I mean, here it's either Eastleigh or Basingstoke that gets the laughs. But, That's so.
1: true. That's true. That's true. But so when you- I was in, uh,
0: sorry, uh, uh, just to, to complete the, uh, the bit I was just doing before is that then another of my appalling jobs was uh, when I was in uh, Germany the, first, the second time up in Kiel in, in Schleswig-Holstein. And I got a job. It was a great job because it was a job at the university mm. in the English department. Um, and my job was to duplicate things all the time. And the only uh, way of duplicating they had at the time was something called, a, I think we called it a bander machine. Like a again, yeah, but uh, it, these again would be the ones, I don't know what they were called, that, that produced blue mm. um, worksheets or whatever it was that they were devising. So I would get, some lecturer would come and deliver me uh, a piece of, whatever this stuff was, it was like paper that they'd typed or written their uh, activities on. And then they say, Oh, will you please make me 50 copies of this? And it was, it wasn't even automatic. You had a handle that you wound round, but but the system was that it was a barrel, like a steel barrel Mm. filled with this. Now, what is it called? Is it called ether? It's that stuff that you'd normally use for cleaning the
1: toilet or, Oh, yeah it's anyway, what S. thompson has a towel drenched in in the, in the footwell of his car on the way to on the way to las vegas
0: there you go yeah incredibly smelly like uh i am sure punks used to sniff it and uh oh what was it called anyway you poured this liquid in and 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 you i used to stand there literally a whole day i used to get repetitive strain in my right arm from just bashing out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of worksheets and this smell overpoweringly and all my clothes would would stink of it but the advantage of it was again once again it never got me high it just made me feel sick yeah um but i could then save i went out to the like, clubs in the evening and met beautiful women i could say yeah well you know i i'm just working at the um the english department up at the university you know and they would think oh he must be a, a lecturer or a professor or something in fact i was a
1: and then they'd also say but you, you also seem like you're a bit out of it all the time. <laughs> yes and what is that smell by the yeah, way what is that smell <laughs> oh this this cologne is very enticing hair gray <laughs> do you think well it worked about, occasionally you know well, do, you, do you think you can buy carbon paper anymore Carbon
0: paper? I used to use it constantly when I had a typewriter, yeah. I don't know. There must be people who use typewriters. There's got to be somewhere online where you can Google carbon paper and order it. It's like ordering needles for your 78 RPM record player or whatever. It's got to be, isn't
1: it? I haven't thought about it for so long that just before I said it, I was doubting whether I was saying the right thing. But it is carbon paper, isn't it? Yeah,
0: carbon it? paper. Carbon. You've got one and piece of white paper and then you put a of par- carbon paper um, underneath it and then another piece of white paper and that makes two copies as you type.
1: And that was blue as well, wasn't it? Carbon yes, paper was blue. It
0: could be. It was mainly black, but it could be blue.
1: So we're saying the international colour of copying is blue uh, or historically blue. I guess so. And that's, yeah, because the, the I, th- oh, I hope I'm going to get this the right way. My, my stationary friends will be most miffed if I don't, because, um, uh, you know, normal paper, what we call copy paper, that's mm. like 80 gram paper and bank paper, which is the paper you used to put on top of the carbon. So it would go through that's thinner. So that's 60 gram paper. And so you'd have, I think that's oh. what I'm right in saying that way. You'd have like the, the bank paper, the carbon paper, and then the. And then, you know, uh, a normal sheet of 80 gram. And here ended the lesson about well, uh, paper, no, paperweights.
0: It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely interesting mm. because, of course, what you couldn't do is like now you might type something and you'd make all the relevant adjustments. And when you're finally satisfied with it, that's when you would start to copy it. Hmm. But then the copying procedure is happening as you are typing. Yes, so you can't make any mistakes, or if you do, the copy will look very ugly. It will have crossings
1: out and things. And then you used to get those typewriters that had corrector ribbons as well, didn't? Oh they? yes, because I had a I had a Smith Corona. Corre- it was actually called a Smith Corona corrector. Um, say so that uh, after a few. I, I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. And you, I th- I guess there must have been some button next to the shift button or something that when you press that, it raised the ribbon. So you could then, you could backspace yes, and you then are right. go over and it would like, so it had like a, you know, a str- basically a strip of Tipex, I guess, but which yes, you could then it, punch back over your mistakes.
0: But you, that, That's right. But that would be incredibly hard to do on a carbon copy as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you couldn't could. do that on a
1: carbon copy. No, definitely
0: No, not. but what you could do, I, I remember, you know, trying to sort of economise by having maybe two or three different pieces of carbon and f- carbon paper and four pieces of white paper and doing four copies at the same time.
1: Yeah. Oh, one thing, kind of along those lines, but one thing that hasn't moved on at all is that, that really weird thing that, like, home printers are still like the worst machines in the world aren't they as in like they never seem to work they're, there's always <laughs> something wrong with them and like they're, they're, it's just there just seems to be kind of like nobody's got like a good you never hear anybody say oh yeah i bought the canon xp113 and it's brilliant it's never let me down like nobody, well. you know it's like you kind of it's just a, they're just a nightmare. This is a coincidence
0: because this very morning there was somebody on Facebook yeah, saying that exact thing, saying, I've, I've uh, got a Canon one, two, three, four or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's a piece of it. shit and I hate it. Yeah. And then loads of people piled in saying, oh, I agree. And we hate printers and my printers never work and mm. blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to sort of stop all this negativity on social media <laughs> and I'm going to just put up a little post saying well actually my printer I've had it for years it's absolutely fantastic and has never let me down but then I forgot so I didn't actually do it
1: oh, So see you're in the you're in the pay of big copy that's that's I am in the
0: pay of I'm just looking at it it's called HP
1: oh right yeah it, pack
0: yes 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 uh I gotta say it works uh very well indeed
1: well, oh, but maybe do you use it quite a lot?
0: I use it every day. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, well, maybe that's the thing. Ah, you see, good point. You know, I, yes. I think probably for a lot of people they just seize up and the ink dries up, and because I think there's something also like some of on some of the fancier ones even there's like a chip inside the ink cartridge when you've got the you, when you've got those ones which have got you know CMYK separation rather than just one multi multi-purpose color cartridge.
0: Sorry, it, what language are you talking?
1: Oh, sorry, I was, I was talking print language then. I was going to say, come on, remember the, to let the rest of us in. Cyan, magenta, yellow and key, CMYK. Key generally meaning
0: black. Um yeah. Why there's, don't they just say the actual colors?
1: Well, CMYK is uh, I mean cuz there's What lots the of fuck
0: vi- is cyan? Apart from being a, t- a breed of cat, and the old name for Thailand,
1: cyan's like a, a really lovely, you could sort of say light blue, and then magenta's oh, wow. like a light red, pinkish colour. Yes, and so, yeah. so, basically, well, in anything that you've ever had printed, any mm-hmm. colour that you see is made up of cyan, magenta, yellow, and black.
0: Yes, it, it, I remember from my little painting box when I was a, a little boy, uh, you could mix different colours and come up with new ones.
1: Exactly. Yeah, well, it was like primary and tertiary colours, and but don't get it confused with RGB—red, green, oh, and blue. Crossed. Well, because you can get an RGB, because that's how we see colour. We see that that that's that's colour in a in the spectrum of light. We see red, greens, and blues, and they combine and make up everything. Whereas with prints it's CMYK. Um and this is extraordinary. Well it goes well it goes back to that thing I was saying you know like you know there's there's you know there's not just black there's lots of different blacks. And
0: you Oh, know, come on, don't do my head in. There no, are no, not but, lots of different blacks.
1: There are there's loads of, loads of different blacks. If you um if you're going to print something out from InDesign and you had, you had an image that somebody sent you, or a logo that had black in it, and you wanted to put that on a black background, there's no guarantee that the black background that you're going to use is the same as the black on, on that image that you've been sent. Well, in that so,
0: case, it's grey. <clears throat> y-
1: yes, but... Also, you can't be
0: blacker than black.
1: Oh. Oh. <laughs> except in mm.
0: certain films i've seen
1: no now you're getting into a very very interesting subject um i i, I i'm the, the, almost the blackest, the blackest in a coma substance. of lack of interest oh in no discussing... it's, it's a fact i wish i can't remember the name of the thing but um the artist kapoor bought it and he was the only one allowed to use it it was like a kind of klein international blue but it was I don't. It's not adamantium black, obviously. Maybe it is. I can't remember. Adamant? No. There's there's a there's a form of black which is made up of going back to carbon, these tiny molecules of of carbon, and it's so dense that light it only reflects sort of fifteen percent of light. i'll I'll email you and i'll put it in show links i'll email you some stuff that's made out of this because it's mind bending it's it's such a strange thing could
0: we at this stage do a listener's poll and ask if they would like us to do an entire (laughs) 45 minutes
1: (laughs) do they want to hear rich talk about colors anymore well i think you could do
0: 45 minutes just on black
1: yeah, I could. I could. It's it's that, yeah, the, the, um, or well, rather than me doing it, there's a couple of great episodes of 99% Invisible, which is, uh, which are dedicated to these, these two, um, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna do something that I don't usually do. I'm I just need to look up the name of this black... Oh well, I th- I, I,
0: well yeah. You, 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 look. I thought you were going to excuse yourself and go to the toilet or something. No, 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 have... no. This is
1: much more excited. Um, Vantablack absorbs almost all light to which it is exposed—ninety-nine point nine six percent. The new material is even closer to complete absorption at more than ninety-nine point nine nine five percent. I mean, how insane is that? Well, if
0: if I knew what it meant, I probably would uh, find it insane, but.
1: I'll I'll send you I'll send you some image links later and, and oh you'll, this you'll is great I, mean. I can't wait
0: you're going to send me a load of black to look at it's and, an interactive lecture on <laughs>
1: color absorption actually this is great don't ask
0: me yeah I was going to say why don't we why don't we uh, sort of put this on sale as a, as something that people can zoom into and uh, benefit from this uh, incredible depth of knowledge we have.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's quite something. Yeah, we should set up a, I don't know, like a Twitch or Discord channel or something.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say uh, we have d- done very well because I haven't even started my lengthy description of the really, really crap job that I had. And I certainly haven't started my rather delightful story of how I became self-employed and transformed my life, which is... An inspiring sort of thing for people who are maybe feeling a bit down during this pandemic, who wants an inspirational story to cheer them up. But we've already reached our allotted 45 minutes. So
1: shall we have a part two of this? Do you think people yeah, can we cope should do with it. That? And I've just, I've just realised to get, uh, yeah, to kind of maybe um boost the interest even more. <laughs> I've just realised that your, your, um, your self-employed career. Yes also involved endlessly copying the same thing. So there's, there's this theme that's like wow. basically run through your, your work life that you've only just realised. Literally, this moment is the moment of revelation to you where you've suddenly gone, oh my God, my, my life has just been an endless cycle of copying things.
0: Well, that would be true if it wasn't the exact opposite of the truth because my idea that transformed my life was how to avoid copying things.
1: Yeah, but it's probably not as good a story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll have to wait and see. I've got one more word to say to you, and that is chloroform. I was thinking all the last quarter of an hour, when you're watching a crime uh, programme on TV, which is what my life 99% consists of at the moment, you Mm. always, in probably every single one of them, have a sinister figure coming up behind an innocent maiden and putting this uh, uh, like a handkerchief soaked in chloroform a- across their mouths whereupon they immediately collapse on the floor this is true isn't it yeah. that's the stuff that is in a bander machine with which i was working for days on end in a windowless
1: room and somehow i survived do you think that like watching like stuff like that all the time that there, there comes a point where like me you start thinking I can do that like so if you watch if you watch enough Quincy do you think yeah like if I watched more Quincy than I did I, I would think I could probably carry out an autopsy oh I thought
0: I thought you were going to be like me and uh, c- carry out murders because as you know I, I regularly dream of killing people
1: and I think that's a good place to end it off <laughs>